Hey up guys, I'm Mason, the Blind Wrestling Fan, and this is my review of NXT TakeOver War Games. If you enjoy this episode, you know what to do. Absolute insanity. The two words that best encapsulate this year's War Games. I love TakeOver, I always do, they're always great, and this one was no exception, it was fantastic. When the women's war games match finished, I thought, how am I gonna recap that? Whoever comes after this match is in an unfortunate spot, needing to follow that up, and then it ends up being Thatcher and Champa, who put on an absolute banger of a match. The Grimes Loomis strap match didn't quite live up to the rest of the card for me, but it was still a damn good match. Then you get the triple threat, which is just 100 miles an hour, round and round, back and forth, all sorts of shenanigans going on, and the main event, the main event, it's just, it's over, oh no, no it's not over, now it's over, no it's not, you just can't keep up with what's going on emotionally because it's just constantly will not stop, and it just kept on going and going, and it was so long, but it was great, I enjoyed the hell out of this pay-per-view. Can you tell? I'm sure you can already. But let's get through to what actually happened because I want to talk about this, man. What a takeover this was. The night kicks off with the Women's War Games match. This is one of those times where I do wish that we had audio description on the WWE Network. Shotzi comes out with her new and improved tank, as Vic calls it, which apparently now shoots projectiles. And I just felt like I was missing out a little bit. Special entrances are always like that. And I just wish that we had audio description to tell me what the tank looked like, what everyone was dressed like, what their reactions were to the tank. And it just, it was a little bit disappointing. But then the match happened and I forgot all about the entrance because it was so bloody good. So it looks like Shotzi is going to start off the match. She wants to get in there, but Ember takes matters into her own hands and it kicks off with Ember versus Dakota. It starts off fast, which considering this is going to be a marathon, not a sprint, I was thinking this might not be the best way to do things, girls. And then Dakota starts trying to slow down the pace. She grates Ember's face across the cage. Eventually, Ember ends up hitting a crossbody through the ropes, crushing Dakota into the cage. Dakota ends up fighting back. She starts letting loose with strikes, desperately trying to put Ember down because she doesn't want the two-on-one advantage to work against her. Shotzi's out next and she brings a crowbar and a toolbox with her. She pretty quickly hits a dropkick and things aren't looking good for Dakota Kai. But Kai actually does a good job of staying in the game, keeping on moving and making sure that Team Shotzi don't get the advantage over her. Eventually, Shotzi hits a missile dropkick off the shoulders of Moon, but Raquel Gonzalez is out next. She immediately employs her power. She slams Ember, power bombs Shotzi into the cage, and then she and Dakota start working pretty effectively as a team, as you'd expect. Ember eats a kick to the face and gets slammed by Gonzalez, and then Dakota launches herself from one ring to the other with the assistance of Raquel Gonzalez and wipes out both members of Team Shotzi. 
Rhea Ripley's out next and she retrieves something from the toolbox, but commentary don't really make it clear what it is. She goes right after Dakota Kai, ragdolling her into the cage. Then we get this nice moment where Akal Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley brawl as the fans chant NXT, and before long, it's Tony time. She comes out, retrieves a kendo stick, and goes after Ember. Then she exposes a turnbuckle, which Rhea Ripley ends up getting sent into spine first. Tony properly focuses in on Ember, laying into her with a kendo stick and bouncing her off the cage. Then something happens, and all six women are down, but commentary doesn't really say what it was. That was a little bit disappointing because at this point I was really into the match and those sort of things do take me out of it. It's Io Shirai's turn next but she just cannot get involved in this match. At first she comes out, she's got a ladder with her but Raquel Gonzalez attacks her and for the next few minutes Gonzalez just runs interference making sure that Shirai doesn't get involved in the match. In fact this continues until Candice comes out when Indy Hartwell, just like I thought, gets involved, attacks Io Shirai and Team Candice get to work beating down the other three members of Team Shotzi, beating down Shotzi and then eventually Io does manage to get into it by doing something. Commentary don't make it completely clear what's going on, they say that she's got a garbage can and then they sell that there's some big moment and I basically inferred that she launched herself off the top of the cage with the garbage can. Thankfully I do have friends and my friend Dan told me that she put herself inside the garbage can and then launched herself off the cage which sounds insane. Now that the match is officially underway, everything starts going mental. Raquel Gonzalez gets nailed with a DDT, Dakota Kai gets hit with double knees, Tony Storm eats a boot, Shotzi goes after Candice, Ripley goes after Tony, and Io Shirai hits a moonsault for the first cover of the match. Then Candice gets Ember Moon in the Gargano escape using a wrench to make things even nastier. Shotzi gets Tony in a submission of her own. Candice notices, lets Moon go so that she can go and save Tony. Then we get this great spot where Dakota puts Io back inside a trash can and does a double stop onto it for a two count. Then Dakota gets hit with the Eclipse onto two chairs, but the cover gets broken up. Tony Storm hits the Storm Zero but Io Shirai breaks up the cover and Candice ends up kicking a trash can lid right into Rhea Ripley's face. Vic Joseph says that Shotzi goes right up to the tippity top which I took to me in the top of the cage. Thankfully Dan comes to the rescue again and tells me that she actually came off a ladder so Shotzi launches herself off the ladder onto Candice, but Candice has strategically placed a chair to make sure that Shotzi hits that as well. Barrett sells that Candice knew that she'd take a bullet but had to make sure that Shotzi would take one too. Io Shirai hits another moonsault but the cover gets broken up again and then the finish of the match sees Raquel Gonzalez lift Io Shirai up with one arm and power bomber through a ladder that's set up in no man's land and Raquel Gonzalez pins the NXT Women's Champion and secures the victory for Team Candice. This match was great, it was mint, I just loved 
everything about it. It had so much talent in it. There were so many cool spots. Commentary did a good job for the most part. There was a few places where they kind of let it down, but at the same time, they also called pretty much everything else. That one stretch where it went absolutely mental, I think Vic Joseph did a brilliant job with. And this was just a great opener to the show that got me thinking, how is anything going to beat this? Originally, I was feeling sorry for whoever had to follow that opener because they had a lot to live up to. And I thought that it was gonna end up being Grimes versus Loomis. If it had, I feel like it might have fallen flat because it was the match that I was looking forward to the least anyway. I knew it was going to be a good match, but in terms of the rest of the card, it didn't have quite as much weight as everything else had. However, it ended up being Timothy Thatcher versus Tommaso Ciampa, and it was ridiculously good. These two are two of the best, and there was no way that this match was going to be a bad one. As Champa's making his entrance, commentary put over his injury record. They talk about all the different times he's been injured, and they say it's been a rough six months for him. Also pointing out that Thatcher is almost certainly going to zero in on those previously injured areas. They get into a battle on the mat almost straight away, and commentary put over how Champa shouldn't be doing this, because it's where Thatcher excels, and Thatcher goes right after Champa's knee. Champa ends up laying in some vicious shots and he gives Thatcher a disrespectful little slap just to show him that he's not scared of him. Then Thatcher hits an uppercut right to Champa's throat and commentary talk about how Champa's neck injury went in through his throat and this is a nasty area for Thatcher to be focusing on and this is where everything starts getting focused on the throat. The ref checks on Champa, make sure that he's alright. Champa says that he is and Thatcher charges in, immediately hitting another uppercut. He starts digging in his elbow right into the throat and hits Champa with a belly to belly and goes for the cover but his foot's under the rope and the ref notices. Champa starts fighting back into it. He manages to hit a move that drives the wind right out of Thatcher's lungs and Barrett starts selling that Thatcher's going blue, really struggling to suck that oxygen in. They start trading blows and they both go for the same move and end up smashing their heads together. Champa picks up momentum, ends up hitting a flying clothesline and then sets Thatcher up for a superplex which gets him a two count. Champa starts looking for the fairy tale ending, but Thatcher counters, chops him in the throat, locks him in the guillotine, and it could all be over there, but Champa manages to fight out. He gets Thatcher in a submission of his own. Thatcher tries to power out of it, but Champa brings him back down to the mat and starts nailing him in the face with punches. Eventually, Thatcher fights back up, gets to the ropes, and ends up hitting Champa with a German suplex. He hits another one, and then he takes him out onto the apron and tries to give him a German suplex off the apron but Champa manages to grab onto the middle rope and hit elbows to create separation. Thatcher goes back to the throat dumping Champa over the top rope throat first but Champa starts fighting back he hits vicious chops a pump kick applies the front face lock but in the end he ends up hitting Willow's Bell for the win. This was great. Going from the War Games match where it was just 
crazy and chaotic and there were spots all over the place it was so nice to have this grounded technical gritty match between these two that were just going after each other thatcher got busted open at one point and barrett has this great line about if there was ever a man that would enjoy the sight of his own blood it'd be timothy thatcher the fact that you've got champa who's one of the most vicious dominant people in nxt who they managed to sell as being in real danger here because of his previous injuries and having thatcher going after the throat making it seem like champa was really in danger here was just great commentary did a fantastic job of this match not only just calling the spots but also really managing to sell the story managing to sell that champa was in danger and also the visual aspects like when thatcher had the wind driven out of him and was going blue and was really struggling to suck the oxygen back in i just loved all of this i thought that the match itself was great i thought commentary did great there was nothing that i didn't like about this Next up, it's Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis in the strap match. Now, on a lesser show or an NXT main event, I feel like this could have been a great match. But the other four matches on this card were so good that this was definitely the worst of the bunch. But by no means was it a bad match. We get a recap to start things off, just showing all the silly bollocks that's gone on over the last couple of weeks, which somehow was pretty entertaining. I feel like it could have been annoying, but Cameron Grimes luckily has this really comedic quality to him, and it ended up actually working. So to start off, Grimes brings his own strap. The ref shouts at him and tells him that they're not using that one, they need to use the official strap. Grimes uses this little distraction as an opportunity to take advantage and attack Loomis before the match starts. He goes after his eyes and his mouth. I like this, I thought it was a good little touch, because as we know, Grimes is only scared of Loomis when he can actually see his eyes so attacking them was a pretty nice touch. Loomis starts fighting back, they have a bit of a brawl and then they're strapped together and the match officially starts. Grimes goes back to attacking the eyes again and then despite being strapped to Loomis he tries running away. We get a couple of nasty bumps, Grimes gets sent into the barricade and honestly it sounded awful. I don't know how bad it looks, but it sounded pretty bad. Loomis gets dumped on the concrete again, that's nasty. And then they start fighting in the timekeeper's area. Grimes actually manages to blindfold Loomis again, nice touch, neutralising those eyes. And Wade Barrett freaks out because one of the lashes almost catches him. And Wade Barrett is becoming a really valuable part of this commentary team in my opinion. Loomis starts fighting back into it, he hits a spine buster but the advantage doesn't last long because he gets sent face first into the steel girders designed to house the war game structure. I'm not gonna lie, that sounds like it would suck to take. He starts fighting back again and he gets the advantage laying into Cameron Grimes with the strap. But Grimes shuts him down once more, manages to counter and get a German suplex that sends Loomis into the turnbuckles. He gets a bit too cocky though, he starts enjoying himself and he takes too much time and Loomis ends up hitting a fallaway slam. He goes up to the top rope and Grimes uses the strap to pull him back down. He hits a move that commentary doesn't really call and goes for the cover. In the end, Loomis smashes Grimes' face off a steel chair and locks in the silence for the win. 
In the end, this was a pretty fun match, but it just didn't have the weight that the rest of the matches on the card had. Both guys took some pretty nasty spots, and I thought that it was pretty good. I don't know what the silence is. To be honest, with Loomis's serial killer character, I kind of assumed that it was a sleeper hold, because it's the silence, you know, grabbing the throat with the sleeper hold would actually quite work with that. Correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, but that's just what I assumed it was because I feel like a sleeper hold would really work with a serial killer gimmick. The NXT North American Championship match was next. Leon Ruff defending his title against Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano. I tell you what mate, I have right enjoyed the build to this match, with Leon Roth getting the shock surprise victory against Johnny Gargano thanks to Damian Priest getting involved, Priest being somewhat dismissive and patronising towards Leon Roth, but also kinda liking him, Ruff desperately trying to prove himself to the NXT universe and Damian Priest while trying to win the respect of Johnny Gargano who refuses to accept Ruff as a true champion. It's worked really well and I was quite looking forward to this match. To start with Priest goes right after Ruff but he gets hit with a super kick by Gargano pretty quickly. Ruff employs his speed and starts running rings around Gargano, he hits a Hurricane Rana but Priest gets back in it just tossing Ruff out of the way so that he can get to Johnny. Ruff and Gargano start working together trying to neutralise and take out Damien Priest but Gargano turns on Ruff pretty quickly, ends up hitting a slingshot spear, goes for the cover but Ruff kicks out. We get this great spot where Priest gives Ruff a razor's edge through the barricade and commentary do a great job here selling that Priest is shocked at what he's done, he's concerned for Ruff, he shows a bit of remorse, tells him he's sorry, Ruff gets helped away by the refs but Gargano does not care at all and he uses this to take advantage, attacks Priest, gets back into it and ends up hitting a slice bread for a two count. For a while it's just Gargano and Priest going back and forth until Priest ends up hitting a clothesline that Barrett sells as almost knocking Gargano out of his boots. Then Leon Roth comes out of nowhere back into the match with renewed speed. He drop kicks Priest, takes down Gargano, comes off the top wiping them both out. He hits a flying cutter that Gargano kicks out of, clotheslines Johnny but Gargano kicks out again. Then Priest gives them both a flatliner, sends Leon into Johnny using the broken arrow, tries to give Gargano a razor's edge but Johnny counters, sends Priest into the post, manages to time in the ropes but Ruff comes out of nowhere and gives Johnny a crucifix bomb that he used to win the North American Championship with originally but only gets a two count. Then he misses a frog splash and Gargano manages to lock him in the Gargano escape which Priest just about breaks up. This is when the shenanigans begin. Multiple ghost faces arrive and they swarm Priest. He manages to take a few of them out, nails Gargano with a chokeslam, but while Priest is distracted with the ghost faces, Ruff hits a frog splash which Priest notices and just about manages to break up. He hits Ruff with a spinning knee, Gargano goes for the escape, Priest counters, goes for the reckoning, Johnny gets out of it, hits a super kick, Priest dances with a kick of his own, but then another ghost face arrive and just decks Priest with a lead pipe. Gargano goes after Ruff, hits him with a super kick, the one final beat and manages to pick up the win to become the first ever three time 
North American champion. I loved this match, it was just a proper Johnny Gargano takeover match, that style that really drew me into NXT in the first place, where it's back and forth, round and round, kickouts everywhere, loads of cool spots, it was just everything that I loved about NXT and what drew me in in the first place. This storyline has been really effective, you've had Gargano being this dastardly, cowardly heel, Priest managing to show some character and have some really good moments, and Leon Ruff has been made into a star who seems like he belongs in NXT now. If he goes for the Cruiserweight Championship in the future, he's going to seem like a legitimate contender. And now Priest and Gargano can have a full-on feud. And with the addition of the Ghostface that was revealed to be Austin Theory, it seems like the Gargano faction is full now, with Indy Hartwell and Austin Theory joining the Garganos. There's just so much to love about the storyline going on and this match in general absolutely brilliant. So we arrive at the crazy, chaotic, amazing main event, the men's war games match. And honestly, I cannot decide which of the war games matches I enjoyed more because they were both just great. The thing is about these matches is that it takes so long for the match to officially start that it's like having two in one. The beginning part where everyone's coming in always has such great stuff in that it could end before it even begins and this was no exception. There is lots to get to. Some construction work has just started so hopefully that's not going to invade the recording too much. The heart of the Undisputed Era starts things off in this match. Kyle O'Reilly against Pete Dunne. These two just go at it. Kyle goes for a cross arm breaker, a triangle choke, but Pete manages to avoid both of them. He does his nasty joint manipulation business to Kyle's fingers and wrist. He does a double stomp to both of Kyle's hands and boots him in the face. Kyle is desperate to try and put Pete down, to try and make sure that he doesn't end up on the wrong side of the two-on-one advantage. He tries for a cross arm breaker again, gets a heel hook, but then Lorcan comes out, starts laying into O'Reilly, manages to get a half and half suplex. Dunn locks Kyle in a surfboard stretch and both heels just start beating him down. O'Reilly manages to get a dragon screw on Pete Dunn. He ties only Lorcan in the ropes and it looks like he's going to manage to get back on top as he flies through the air to deliver a knee to the sternum of only Lorcan. But Pete Dunn nails O'Reilly with a drop kick to the knee. Both heels work together, they manage to lock in a double submission. At this point O'Reilly has received a lot of punishment. He desperately needs some help and Bobby Fish is the one that's going to give it to him. Fish comes out fired up, starts letting loose with strikes, commentary play up on his Muay Thai experience. He hits a spine buster, eventually O'Reilly finally makes it back to his feet and the former tag team champions start working together. They double team only Lorcan. They do the same to Pete Dunne, hitting him with strikes, one from the front, one from the back. But their advantage doesn't last long because Danny Birch is out next. He wipes both of them out 
and then bring some cricket bats into the equation, one of which Pete Dunne uses on Kyle O'Reilly's fingers. O'Reilly manages to get Birch in a heel hook. Birch actually taps, but it's no good because the match isn't officially underway and it's not long before Birch has one of those cricket bats back in his hand and he's using it on O'Reilly. Roderick Strong is out next, but Danny Birch and Only Law can go straight after him and beat him down. He manages to fire back up, he hits Pete Dunne with a bat breaker and Danny Birch with an angle slam. Only Law can just smash his Roddy into the cage and the same thing happens to the other two members of Undisputed Era. Pat McAfee is the final heel to enter the match. He brings tables with him and Wade Barrett says that he's never heard tables get booed before, which just just proves how much the NXT universe hates Pat McAfee. Birch helps Pat set up a table while the other two heels beat down all the members of Undisputed Era. Strong ends up getting beaten down by everyone, they set him up on a table and Pat McAfee hits a moonsault onto him. The match finally officially begins as Adam Cole arrives, but things aren't looking good for him because the heels are firmly in control. All four of them turn their attention to him, but he has a fire extinguisher that he sprays them all with. He starts taking control, gets a backstabber on Pete Dunne, rocks only Lorcan with a step up Enziguri, drops Danny Birch, whatever that means, and Pat McAfee is the final heel left standing. Sweet revenge is on the mind of Adam Cole. Cole, but as he's going after McAfee, Pete Dunne gets back into it, attacks Cole, starts stomping him, looks for the bitter end, but Cole counters with a DDT. McAfee takes advantage of this, tries to attack Cole, but O'Reilly arrives with a chair and starts taking it to Pat. Cole starts talking vicious trash to McAfee, telling him that this is what he gets for wanting to play pretend at being a wrestler and calling him a little bitch. Bobby Fish locks Pete Dunne in a sleeper hold, but Only Lorcan breaks it up by hitting Fish with a blockbuster. Danny Birch and Only Lorcan work together, they double team O'Reilly, but Fish manages to save him by breaking up the cover. Then we get this great section. Pat tries to destroy Cole's leg with a chop block. Wade Barrett sells it as being extremely nasty. Then McAfee locks Cole in the figure four as the heels try to keep Undisputed Era in the other ring. Eventually, Cole manages to reverse the pressure and the tides turn. Undisputed Era tries to keep the heels in the other ring, but Pete breaks free and manages to save McAfee. Fish and Strong try to put Pete through a table, but it doesn't break, so they try again, ending up putting Pete and Danny Birch through the table at the same time. Pat sets Cole up for a superplex, tries to hit him with it, but Cole manages to send Pat spilling through a table that was originally intended for Cole. Undisputed Era start working together as a unit and they manage to take down everyone. McAfee considers running away, but he's got nowhere to go and Undisputed Era start beating him down. All four members just taking it to him, taking their revenge, getting their frustrations out. They send him crashing into the cage, but they end up taking too much time, enjoying themselves too much, and the heels end up recovering. Pete Dunne, who is honestly the most valuable member of Pat's team, ends up leading the charge to save McAfee. 
They all end up fighting on the top rope. O'Reilly takes a nasty spill. Fish sends Birch crashing to the mat. Cole hits a netbreaker and then Strong hits a superplex to McAfee. The crowd lets rip with a huge NXT chant. Considering they don't have as many fans in attendance as usual, it was a pretty big NXT chant. And then we get the crazy spot. McAfee goes up top and leaps off the top of the cage, wiping everybody out. Pete Dunne manages to catch O'Reilly, snap his fingers and deliver the bitter end. Vic Joseph does an amazing job. He calls it perfectly. He uses this tone of voice that says it's over and I completely bought it. So when O'Reilly kicked out, I couldn't have been more shocked. Pete starts trying to think of his next move, but O'Reilly ends up suplexing him onto the steel. Cole starts taking it to McAfee with a chair, but McAfee hits a low blow and goes for the punt kick, but Cole avoids it. Fish ends up putting Birch through a table. McAfee hits Cole with a super kick, and like the cheeky bastard that he is, he goes for the Panama Sunrise, but Cole counters and hits it himself. Once again, I thought it was over right there, but McAfee kicked out and I couldn't believe it. Cole goes for the last shot, but Lorcan sacrifices himself and takes it for McAfee. Pete goes after Cole, hits him with an enziguri, nails him onto a chair, sternum first, but Strong jumps on Pete's back and takes him out. Finally, to end the match, O'Reilly hits Lorcan with a chair-assisted knee to the face and picks up the win. This was the only match that I predicted wrong and I tell you what, I have never been happier to be wrong. I thought for sure that the so-called kings of NXT were going to win this match and I'm so glad that Undisputed Era picked up the win. Yeah, okay, the kings of NXT could probably have done with that win if they were going to keep them together as a unit, but they probably won't. And it was just great to see Undisputed Era on top. O'Reilly looked great as the heart of the Undisputed Era, really having the longest stretch in the match, having the punishment dealt to him and still ending up picking up the win for his team. Pete Dunne looked great being the most valuable member of Team McAfee, saving McAfee on multiple occasions. There were so many good spots. It was just an absolutely brilliant match. War Games as a whole was my favourite pay-per-view of this year by far. It was crazy, chaotic, entertaining fun. There were cool spots everywhere, great stories going into it. I might not have enjoyed the Grimes Loomis strap match as much as the other matches, but I still thought that it was a damn good match. Even when it comes to Champa versus Thatcher, they might not have built up as much as a story of the other matches, but it was so good in ring that I just didn't care. Commentary did a great job. Yeah, they may have dropped the ball every now and again, but they didn't on any too massive or crucial and I never felt like I missed out on something that was absolutely vital. Wade Barrett did a great job. He's become a valuable member of the NXT commentary team, providing some great visual descriptions and contextual information that I really feel like added to the experience and I'm so glad that we've got him on the team now. This was my most challenging review in quite a while. There were so many things to get through, 
so many spots and it's taken me a long time even just from the Grimes Loomis strap match to the end of the main event has taken me four hours that's just insane but it's just how it goes because I have to go back and forth between checking my notes and recording and then getting it wrong and needing to re-record it and do the best take that I can and it's just taken so long but it's finally finished we've reached the end this was an amazing show that's it for today guys drop your thoughts on takeover war games in the comment section i'll see you for the next witd weekly podcast but until then take care i'm off and you should have a good one <laughs>